Hi, my name is Brendan Malone and you're listening to The Dispatches, the podcast that strives to cut through all the noise in order to challenge the popular narratives of the day with some good old-fashioned contrarian thinking. You might not always agree, but at least you'll be taking a deeper look at the world around you. Hi everybody, welcome along to another episode of The Dispatches. It's great to be back with you again. If you're new here and you're not already a subscriber to this podcast, why not hit that little subscribe or follow button on whatever platform you're listening on right now. And if you could give us a rating as well, that would really, really help us a lot. So if your platform allows you to do this, to give us a a star rating, the more stars the merrier, and um, perhaps a written comment or two, that would really, really help us out a lot. If you want to get an extra episode of the podcast every single week, then we produce a special patrons-only episode every single week. So that's four or five extra episodes of The Dispatches that are made available exclusively to patrons who are supporting us with $5 or more per month at patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. The link is in the show notes. A huge thank you to all of our patrons who made today's episode possible and don't forget our new website watchlfm.com that's watch w-a-t-c-h-l-f-m.com all of our left foot media content can be found on that website plus while you're there sign up to our email list we don't have a regular sort of spammy email that we send out but the reason that we have that list is because in the highly censorious environment that we find ourselves in there is a possibility that anyone at any point could get booted off some of the big platforms. And so that list exists for us to be able to let you know, if that was to happen, where you could carry on listening and accessing the content of Left Foot Media. Right, let's jump into today's topic of conversation. Why Desmond Doss is a timely model of conscientious objection. Now, if you've never heard of Desmond Doss before, don't panic. I'm about to tell you a lot more about him. But before I do that, let me just set the scene a little bit. We are currently in a situation in this country where there is a distinct lack of robust public debate going on. There is a a dire shortage of good faith disagreement in the public square. And that is troubling. It's it's not good at the best of times, but it's more troubling uh, in a situation where you have a great crisis unfolding around you as well. And so we find ourselves in a situation where we have a government that has, I think, far too much unaccountable power at the moment. And this is just the way of history. These things always tend to happen. You have great crisis and often in great crisis out of desperation and fear and panic and everything else, you end up with leaders who just wield far too much power. That's, I think, very much what's going on right now in our country. We've got a mainly compliant media who are just acting, I think, in in truly bizarre and absolutely astounding ways. So over the past week or so, we watched as the media ruthlessly and continually persecuted a New Zealand elected official, a mayor, because she said that she didn't want to get the Pfizer vaccine. She was waiting for, uh, she's looking at the Novavax vaccine, but she's waiting for another vaccine option. So here's someone who wants to be vaccinated, but doesn't want to use the Pfizer vaccine. And she has been ruthlessly targeted and pilloried. And I mean, I've seen media, the most absurd commentary from 
know, one particular white journalist I saw who wrote a, a, an article about this and accused her of, of, of being a privileged white woman who was endangering Māori and, and indigenous people. And I, I just, I think to myself, this is just madness, utter madness. But the media are engaging in that. So article after article after article. What the, all of this means is that we're now in a, in a serious crisis of accountability and really unchecked power as well. And our government, on the back of all of this, is now starting to engage in behaviours and policies that will needlessly divide, and in and, and really awful ways, divide this nation in, in, in a fashion that we've never seen before. It, 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 yeah, it's not good. It really isn't good. And th- there just seems to be this relentless juggernaut with no real public uh, opposition to be able to even just ask the necessary questions. In fact, in a lot of cases, even just asking the wrong question now makes you effectively, well, as we heard earlier, you know, simply not wanting the right vaccine. So wanting to be vaccinated, but not with the product that the state has chosen for you <laughs> is now deemed to be a great threat to the nation and a you know, you're a public danger and you're an unpatriotic person who who must be shunned and punished in some way for this. It's it's really getting quite um well, it's insane. It's absolutely insane, basically. It's getting crazy out there. There there is an extreme danger really and at, at any time, but particularly in a time of crisis, and believing that the person who disagrees with you is evil, uh, that that a person who disagrees with you is your enemy that the person who disagrees with you is a dangerous threat to you and to your nation. And that's what we've got to. And that we've come to that because that ideology has been cultivated actively by both the media and the government in this country. The whole uh, fallacious uh, propaganda talking point, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Uh, We'll talk more about that later in this episode. But that fallacious talking point which has been repeated ad nauseum, uh, is is an active, um, is is just an active creation of that and fostering of that division. It's it's just, yeah, it's very harmful and it's very very troubling. So what that means is, right at this moment, there are several reasons why people might be engaged in conscientious objection because the government, I think, is overstepping its bounds. Uh, and from a moral perspective, and it's also going about things in ways that I think are really not just detrimental and harmful, but they are not going to produce the outcomes that they're actually claiming they want to achieve. They're making the situation worse. That they're they're entrenching our opposition to things like the vaccine, not helping to overcome it. So in that, there's going to be people who are going to have different reasons for conscientious objection, but. There is conscientious objection, and then there's something else altogether that people call conscientious objection, which, you know, is just an excuse, often a label that's given to, you know, dangerous and open rebellion and things like that. So you don't want to fall prey to that. So how do you remain a good conscientious objector, someone who is moral in their conscientious objection to immorality, who doesn't become the monster, the very monster that they are they are battling against? And this is where uh, the life of Desmond Doss, I think, and his example is just so important because I think there's seven important principles that he has to teach us. Now, 
If you don't know anything about Desmond Doss, then I would highly recommend the recent Mel Gibson film, Hacksaw Ridge, where he uh, directed a movie about the, 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 the beautiful and profound heroism that he showed as a conscientious objector. Desmond Doss is a man who signs up for the military, uh, he's an American, who signs up for the military campaign in World War II with one important caveat. He is a Seventh-day Adventist and very much grounded in the Christian scriptures. He believes that it's wrong, absolutely wrong, to kill another man. And also because of different aspects of violence in his own life growing up, he sort of made a vow, if you like, effectively, that he won't be a man of violence, that he will be a man of peace. But at the same time, he recognises the great danger and uh, the evil that his country faces, and so he still wants to do his part. So he signs up to the military with the intention of becoming a medic, uh, of serving in whatever way he can without picking up a gun and killing other men. It's really quite astounding when you think about it. Quite a, quite a beautiful example that he sets. But here's the thing. The military doesn't really understand this and they don't want him there. So he's badly treated and persecuted in an attempt to, um, to, uh, to punish him, really, for his conscientious objection and to, to really oust him from the military. A lot of pressure goes on him. But what happens is he's able to survive and endure that pressure and he remains in the army and then he goes off to the Pacific Theatre of War and he's involved in the Battle of Okinawa at a place called Hacksaw Ridge, you know, literally just a brutal sheer drop which the men have to climb up onto the top of and then fight the well-entrenched Japanese. It's a, you know, not, not a good position to be in at all. And what happens is the Japanese are able to launch uh, effective attacks of their own uh, in, in, in their sort of, you know, the throes of battle as they're sort of slowly being uh, overwhelmed sort of island by island by the Americans in the Pacific Theatre. And so he finds himself in a situation where he ends up literally one man at a time, one man at a time, and single-handedly he saves, according to the official citation that he received on his medal, he saved 75 men, one at a time, single-handedly, literally saves one man, goes back, saves another. And and what he does is he he goes and he pulls these men out from enemy territory one at a time and then he ropes them up and he lowers them down uh, using himself as the pulley system to, to, to sort of leverage the rope, lowers them down one at a time down the sheer cliff face so they, they can then be sort of dispatched and taken um, to the medical facilities uh, to be cared for in, in an attempt to sort of save their lives. And it's just absolutely astounding that the bravery, the courage that he showed was, was something unbelievable. He is the only conscientious objector to ever win the Medal of Honor. It's, yeah, it, his life is really quite phenomenal. And it's, I think it's one of the great tragedies of our age, actually, that, that he was not more widely known until this movie came out. His story is just something else. And it should have been more widely known, but it wasn't. And yeah, there's something not right about that. But here's the thing about Desmond Doss, is before that all unfolds and this great act of heroism happens, and when they're trying to punish him and persecute him and drive him out of the military, he is accused of cowardice, 
for not wanting to pick up a gun and kill other people. He is accused of being lacking in patriotism. He is even accused of being a danger to his fellow citizens for not picking up a gun. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? But this is what happens in a, in a state of fear, in a state of crisis. And so he's, he's seen as this dangerous threat who must be ostracized and punished when in actual fact nothing could be further from the truth. So here's seven important things I think we can learn from Desmond Doss and the example that he set. Number one is his intentions were pure. This was not lazy. This was not cowardice. This was not radical individualism. Someone saying, my body, my choice, I'm not picking up that gun, yo. This was someone who, as I said, he's a Seventh-day Adventist. He's very much grounded in the Christian scriptures. And he takes it, his conscience takes it as absolute that there should be no killing of other people, that that's a wrong thing to do. And here's the irony. Despite the fact that there are good and logical and absolutely sound moral principles within the Judeo-Christian natural law ethic and tradition, which very much do allow for legitimate uses of force when you are stopping an unjust aggressor, preventing a great evil, and you are protecting the vulnerable. Um, His position that he adopted, if everyone or a lot more people had adopted that position, they wouldn't have even been in the war that they're in. So there's there is something good and pure here about all of this. And here's the thing too. He he wanted to serve. He wanted to save lives. He wanted to actually end the evil threat facing his nation. He's not a coward. He's not running from something here at all. But in the midst of that, he wasn't willing to compromise moral principles to do that thing. He wanted the evil to be ended, to be stopped. But he wasn't willing to compromise moral principles to end that evil. That's a very, very important lesson in and of itself. But his intentions were pure. And that's a challenge for all of us in the midst of this. At one point in the movie, uh, he says, I don't know how I could live with myself. You know, if I did this thing, I picked up a gun and started shooting at people. I I don't know how I could live with myself. And it's really quite profound. That whole sense of moral integrity is just so essential to his conscientious objection. Number two, his conscience was properly formed. And this is really important. Let me quote to you from John Henry Newman, Cardinal Newman, as he is commonly known. I mentioned him briefly in a previous episode of the podcast. He was a well-known Anglican clergyman who converted to Catholicism, became a Catholic cardinal, and a very, very important theologian and philosopher Uh, in the space of uh, conscience and human conscience, and wrote a lot of very, very important things in that space. But here's one of his relevant quotes. We can believe what we choose. We are answerable for what we choose to believe. So in other words, you know, it's it's one thing just to say, well, I'm going to believe this thing, or my conscience tells me, but your conscience must be properly formed. And we are answerable for the, the the mandates of conscience. I really do believe that. That's why one of the things I've done is I've, I've tried to explain clearly over these podcasts my various positions on these issues, and I've tried to present 
uh, not just what my position is, but why and what I think the deeper truths are that actually govern that, to to try and demonstrate um, that this yeah this isn't just some contrarianism for the sake of it. There are deeper principles, there are deeper truths at stake here, and and I'm trying hard to form my conscience and keep my conscience properly formed because it can very easily slip. It's not just a one-time decision. Right, I commit myself to this particular principle, and then that's it. It's it's a it's a thing you've got to keep checking. You've you've you know you might have committed yourself to a particular principle ten years ago, but uh, over a period of time and for various different and subtle reasons, you know, there's been these sort of shifts in, in what you're actually doing. So it's it's a it's an ongoing. It's probably really a daily process. I, I've I've spent a lot of time mentally and philosophically laboring over these issues and and I hope that is reflected in this podcast that I'm not just being flippant I'm not I'm not just adopting the loudest voice in the room that I've you know happened to have heard that day uh, I, I'm trying to and my actions are you know to the best of my ability I believe they are in accordance with a properly formed conscience. You know, we can believe what we choose, but we are answerable for what we choose to believe. And the other thing I'd say too about this properly formed conscience and why it's important to keep checking it is that this pandemic is constantly evolving and the nature of what this is and the new technologies and the new strategies that keep being proposed, that there's these shifts are often seismic and they're often quick. So one of the things I think we need to do, it's a novel virus, there's constantly shifting information and data, um, I, I think we need to have the humility and the courage to be ready to actually change. So if something drastic happens, which changes the context of what's going on, you've got to be ready to actually say, okay, well, the previous position I held is not necessarily the right one now in this particular context. I, I need to adjust for that. And and I think that's just something to, to keep in mind because there's just you know the evolution of this thing is really quite uh, rapid. I mean, as I said, it's it's been almost two years now, but in the scheme of things, two years is not really a long time. Actually, it's a, it's a relatively short time, but there has been an evolution of things that is quite dramatic in that time. Point number three: his conscientious objection was grounded in community. This is actually something that the the film portrays, I think, in a beautiful kind of way. His Obviously, this is family, but in particular, the two other characters that they sort of focus on are his fiance and his father. And it, it, the, the relationship with his father is a very fraught one because his father is battling his own demons from his time as a soldier in World War One, and quite clearly, what is or what appears to be PTSD and the alcoholism that he uses to self-medicate and try and numb the pain of all of that. But still, in the midst of that. There's a sort of beautiful model of family and community whereby you have this guy who is um, who still loves his father and doesn't abandon his father despite the failings of his father. That, that's, that's, a, that's what community is. It's, community is not just associating with the people that you know that love you or that are easy to be around. That's uh, that's not community. That's you and your own self-referential point of view. That's surrounding you, surrounding yourself with people that you find agreeable. Community requires us to actually live with and to give ourselves to each other 
uh, even when the people we're giving ourselves to frustrate and annoy us and even hurt us. And um, there's something really quite beautiful about that model. His father, ironically, is actually is the, the sort of the hidden defender of his rights in a lot of ways. And, and he is, he's the one who ultimately really does come to his aid in a major way when he needs him the most. He is, and in many, many ways, I see his father almost like, um, in some ways, he's kind of like a vaccinated person, really who comes to the aid of those who are, are now finding themselves on the end of these sort of vaccine mandates where they are being forced and compelled or being threatened with the loss of employment. His fiance, of course, is also an important rock, obviously, and and there's there's a very much that his uh, his conscientious objection flows out of, of community. It's you know, he he, he isolation is a is a very dangerous thing. It's a harmful thing to the human person. And I think especially in a time like this, isolation is a path to radicalization and other great dangers. And so if you're in a situation of conscientious objection, I would encourage you, make sure that you are absolutely grounded in community, that you are not isolating yourself, that you are not segregating yourself away from everyone, because there is great danger in that. And it really is consistently. It's a path to sort of radicalization where you have isolated people who are also disenfranchised, in this case very deliberately, from the society in which they live. Number four principle, he endured vile ridicule and extreme persecution with great virtue. There are so many virtues that he displays throughout this whole thing. So one of the big ones, first of all, we see is humility. And there's a, there's a beautiful little example of this in the film, Hacksaw Ridge, where one of his commanding officers says to him, uh, what do you do when everything you value in this world is under attack? So in other words, Desmond, look, we're in a time of crisis. We're facing this great evil. You know, you've just, you've got to pick up this gun. You've got to, you've got to fight. You've got to shoot and kill people, is what he's saying to him in that scene. And Desmond Doss replies, and he says just something so beautiful and humble. He says, I don't know, sir. I ain't got answers to questions that big. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm just a humble guy like you. I'm doing my best to navigate this situation. I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it. There's, there's great humility in that, but there's a, there's a willingness as well that goes alongside that um, because we see the, the, the virtue of courage, this courage to remain true to morality and not to abandon moral principles in a time of great crisis and uncertainty. So there's humility, there's courage, and of course that courage then manifests itself on the battlefield. It's really quite astounding, actually. This is the great irony in all of this. His courageous commitment to conscientious objection is the very thing that makes him the exact kind of person you want on a battlefield, because it's that habit, that absolute commitment to courage and, and, and courageous clinging to morality and to moral truth, that when he gets on the battlefield, it's just instinct for him to be a man of courage because that's what he's been previously. That's absolutely what you want in this situation in a time of crisis like this. You don't want a yes man. You want someone who actually has a properly formed conscience and who is acting with virtue and that virtue is actually governing their decision making. Because when in a time of great crisis like what happens on Hacksaw Ridge, he just goes back to, he falls back on his instincts, and his instincts are virtuous, and in this case, in particular, the instinct of courage. So there's humility, there's courage, there's prudence, he shows prudence, he shows temperance. 
in the face of you know this great self-restraint in the face of the persecutions that he re- receives. He shows uh, integrity. He absolutely goes into and comes out of that war with his moral integrity still intact. He goes, he, he traverses this crisis without compromising his moral integrity in this. There is love, and, and I mean authentic self-giving love. He is absolutely seeking the good of others. There, there is a total abandonment of self on top of that hacksaw ridge to the good of others. It is, yeah, it's just profound love. And then, of course, there's great hope. He shows hope. And, and in fact, there's an interesting scene in the movie where there's a, a badly wounded soldier and the other medic just says, look, just leave him. He's too far gone. And Desmond Doss refuses to do that. Instead, he gives the man, I think, a morphine shot and he puts a, a few um, bandages on where he can and then he drags him back so he can be lowered down off the cliff. And the other medic says to him, what are you doing? You know, you haven't heard of triage. You know, you're not going to survive. And, and, and Desmond Doss responds forcefully to him and says, he could, he might. You know, you, in other words, it's not your job to, to play God. It's not your job to sort of fall into the state of despair. That, that no, you know, again, even in the midst of that, he, he doesn't lose hope. And that hope is what governs so important to his moral action. Uh, yeah, there's it, just so much virtue that he displays and his conscientious objection is very much grounded in virtue. Number five, he never compromised his principles. Uh, at one point, he has a, a weekend furlough taken away from him. It's so unjust the way he's denied this. And this is the weekend where he has been planning to go and to marry his fiance, It's all scheduled. The church is all booked. The people are there. They're all ready to do this. He comes on his weekend furlough to get married, but then he is denied that weekend furlough because he's being persecuted and punished for his conscientious objection. He's threatened with uh, prison. He goes through a, a court-martial process. There's a, there's, a, there's a situation in which he is under extreme pressure to compromise his principles or just to walk away, but he doesn't do either. He, he never compromises. He holds firm to the truth, and he doesn't allow those who want to bully and coerce him to um, to have their bullying and coercion stand unchecked. It's a very, very courageous thing that he does there. And then he literally puts himself in harm's way up on Hacksaw Ridge. It's it's really quite amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk more about that in a moment, but it's, it is, as I said, this is just amazing. This is a man who probably should have had a chip on his shoulder. You know, what he did was, it was absolutely saintly. The way he conducted himself is really something else. Um, I think of, uh, I think of actually, when I think of Desmond Doss, one of the, the first things I think about at the moment is like those doctors and nurses who are being sacked because they want to exercise their um, conscientious objection and they don't want to receive this particular vaccine. And they're now being sacked for that decision. Um, people who have formerly been on the front lines, people who have given themselves and given and are willing to give so much of themselves that to actually put them on the front selves, like they are one group, the several groups, and they are one of them who are literally right on the front lines of this, who actually are putting themselves at the greatest risk. And yeah, still that 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 beautiful virtuous compassion and care is not enough. Nope, if you don't follow the rule, you must go. It's very, very astounding, this, this sort of unbending and inhuman bureaucracy and technocracy we see.
Because it's not the politicians who are on the front lines. They're safe in their little bubble away in a little building. The technocrats and the, the expert declarers of things, you know, they're safe in their bubbles and they're safe in their little buildings as they pontificate and pass judgment on others. But here's people who are actually putting themselves in harm's way and who actively want to and are willing to do that for others who just don't want to do it in a way that they are not comfortable. And uh, yeah, that's, that, you know, they're being punished for that. Number six, he never let the treatment that he received from others stop him from loving them. And this is just such a beautiful model of, of Christian compassion and forgiveness. He is treated really badly, the, the portrayal of all of this in the film. But what he does is he shows, he returns that with great charity and, and self-restraint as well um, to those who, who, who disagreed with him, who targeted him, who persecuted him. He literally gets up on top of Hacksaw Ridge and then puts himself in great danger, extremely grave danger, to save these same people and to work hard for the very institution which tried to punish him for his conscientious objection. It's just, it is something else, man. It's like I said, this is saintly. Uh, I think even, you know, the best of moral people would really, really struggle to, to act in this kind of way. But man, he, he really did it. He's a, he's a phenomenal model. Number seven, he still did his part to save lives and to fight the evil that his country faced. And this is a really important point. As I said, he's not a rebel. He's not an anarchist. He's not a man who says, stuff you, man. I'm not going to do whatever you tell me. I ain't doing any of it, man. He, he makes a good moral and principled stand. He makes a, a, a stand. He, he looks at the situation. He evaluates it. He commits himself with courage to the position that he chooses to adopt. But he doesn't do that in a way that is immoral, that is cowardly, that is, uh, you know, that is a place of or, or a, you know, comes from a place of or behaviors of anarchy or any of that kind of stuff. And I think in our current situation, so, you know, I think there's a, there's a really important lesson there that we can all learn that, that the, a lot of the conscientious objection at the moment is really around the issue of vaccine mandates and vaccine passports. And we can have that conscientious objection while still doing our part to ensure safety because I, and, and, and care for others. And I think we should do that. So for me, what that means is that I, I do engage in physical distancing and, you know, hand washing and cough and sneeze etiquette and all those kinds of things. I'm, I'm just that little bit more conscious about it at the moment. I, I use the, the, the signing in and out process so that, you know, if something did happen, like let's say I caught it, I would be able to do my bit to ensure that other people I might have inadvertently and unknowingly exposed myself to will be better protected because of my actions. Um, I, I wear masks uh, where I'm required to wear the mask. And the reason I wear the mask is because I, I, I totally understand that the, the chance is remote. We're, we're, you know, we're using the wrong type of masks and we're using them in ways that just, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of strict safety criteria you have to follow when you're wearing a mask for them to actually be effective. And we're not really doing that. And the material we're using is not really up to spec either. But there is still a, a slight chance here. And, and if my actions can contribute even in a small way to the possibility of helping someone else and, you know, bringing about an end to this threat that we face, then I'm going to do that. 
I'm going to do that. I'm not going to be someone who uh, is immoral and then tries to claim that that's conscientious objection, just sort of some sort of radical individualism, which is basically just selfishness or some sort of cowardice or some sort of, you know, rebellious anarchy sort of type behavior and then say, oh, no, it's conscientious objection, mate. My buddy, my choice. No, no, no. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to do my part to save lives and fight the evil that, that we face, even if I'm not willing to compromise certain very, very important moral truths in that fight. And here's the really interesting thing in all of this, which I think is just so very relevant to us in our situation today and what's going on right now in this country, is the conscientious objector in all of this, Desmond Doss, who did his part while still being a conscientious objector, posed absolutely zero threat to any of the other people around him. This is the great irony. They accuse him of being a danger, but in actual fact, the exact opposite was true. He, he wasn't a threat to them at all. But in their mind, in this state of crisis and, and, and the sort of this, this overwhelming sort of myopic and singular sort of psychology that had just overwhelmed everyone, he was a, someone who was a danger. He lacked patriotism, uh, you know, and, and he was a threat to them. In actual fact, he wasn't. The exact opposite was true. The exact opposite was true. Uh, for me, I think one of the, the most evil lies that has ever been uttered, I think, in this crisis so far is the lie or that propaganda line that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Leaders all around the Western world have been using that line. It's clearly a talking point that someone cooked up somewhere and they've all just decided to adopt the thing. It is absolutely repugnant. Think about what that one simple propaganda line does. So first of all, it's a lie. It's not true. This is, this is not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It never has been. This is a pandemic that was caused by the immoral behaviours of the Chinese government aided by the United States with funding, according to what the documents are pointing us towards now. Uh, and then this is a pandemic of, of a virus that does what viruses are wont to do. It's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Even now, it's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. This one line, though, what it does is it blames a group of people. It labels them as unclean, it labels them as a danger and a threat to the rest of us, a very dangerous threat to the rest of us. That one simple line is so destructive that the, the psychological power in that line and the very real threat that it poses and the very real harms that will flow from the adoption of that ideology, that mantra, you know, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It is just, yeah, I think it's just so repugnant, but it's doing what was done to Desmond Doss. You see, those people are not the danger. I would argue that in actual fact, it's not even COVID-19 that's the danger here. There are other things that are much more dangerous in all of this. The greater danger I think we face, particularly right now and have throughout this crisis, has been leadership without character leadership without virtue and and that's that's a far greater danger that you face in a time of crisis because in a time of crisis things 
very quickly become unraveled. And in an unraveling, what you desperately need is clear leadership of character. And without that, you get things like leaders coming out and, and making awful propagandistic statements like this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated and actively segregating and uh, creating a medical class system in a society and punishing people and, and, and doing awful things like sacking them from their job because they don't want to, uh, to take a vaccine which they don't or none of us have has a complete safety profile on yet. It'll be probably 2023, if I understand things correctly, before we'll have a good handle on some long-term data around this, um, despite what some who are desperately in the mode of trying to convince and force people into this want to say. That, that's just the truth of it. That is the truth of it. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, it really that, that, is, that, that one line has really paved the way for what is happening now. One of the things I really love about this film, Hacksaw Ridge, is that scene towards the end when he is saving one man at a time. He's just going back to save another as he has this prayer that he keeps repeating where he says, please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. And it just that's his commitment. That's his focus. His dedication is not to self. And it's not fear. It, it, it's a commitment of love. It's quite a profound and beautiful thing. Ironically, that's kind of my ambition, if you like, or prayer for this podcast, that, that, that if I can just help one more person to start looking at the situation and at the world around them in general, because obviously this podcast isn't just about COVID, but about the world around them in general through the eyes of morality and the common good instead of the eyes of fear and utilitarianism, the end justifies the means. If I can get people to, to stop looking through those eyes and start looking through the eyes of morality and the common good and, and genuine love for, for the good of the other, then, then I think that, you know, I've achieved something important. Please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. It's such a beautiful moment in that film. So if you haven't already seen it, go and watch Hacksaw Ridge at some point. Just be aware if you're if you're a little bit squeamish about war violence, there's, <laughs> particularly in the battle scenes, there's uh, there's some war violence that's uh, this is sort of one of the trademarks of, of Mel Gibson directed films, um, but it is you know it doesn't hold back on showing the uh, the, the the gruesome and barbaric reality of what a war is. So just be aware if that's uh, something that's going to be. Uh, a bit of an issue for you, then you know you might want to be aware of that going into the film. But uh, it's a, if you've seen it already, go back and watch it again. It's a very, I think, a very good and very important film, particularly for the crisis we now find ourselves in. So watch Hacksaw Ridge, or maybe if you don't watch that, read about the life of Desmond Doss and, and be inspired by the courage of a man who showed great humility, great love, great hope, and profound moral conviction and courage. It's it's just, yeah, it's a perfect example, and it's a, it's a, it's something that I think just, uh, in a very good way, stirs us to action, and I think helps to keep us grounded and and offer us a role model for how we should be acting ourselves in this situation. I want to finish with uh, this episode today with a quote from Sophie Scholl, uh, a young lady who we might talk about more in a future episode, actually. But she is another young lady who showed great courage in World War Two. Her and her brother Hans are responsible for the first overt, peaceful anti-Nazi resistance in Germany. So German people resisting Hitler, uh, executed at the age of 21 by the Nazis for that peaceful resistance. Uh, but here's one of my favorite quotes from her. She said this, 
the real damage is done by those millions who want to survive. The honest men and women who just want to be left in peace. Those who don't want their little lives disturbed by anything bigger than themselves. Those with no sides and no causes. Those who won't take measure of their own strength for fear of antagonising their own weakness. Those who don't like to make waves or enemies. Those for whom freedom, honour, truth and principles are only literature. Those who live small, mate small, die small. It's the reductionist approach to life. If you keep it small, you'll keep it under control. If you don't make any noise, the boogeyman won't find you. But it's all an illusion, because they die too, those people who roll up their spirits into tiny little balls so as to be safe. Safe? From what? Life is always on the edge of death. Narrow streets lead to the same places as wide avenues, and a little candle burns itself out just like a flaming torch does. So I choose my own way to burn. Beautiful quote there from Sophie Scholl, and I think a lot of important wisdom in that. And I think Desmond Doss is a great example of that, a man who held firm to principle, to truth. A man who did not shy away from doing what was right, but never compromising what was right in the process of trying to save lives and make the world around him a better place. A great example for all of us. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. If you want to get that extra patrons-only exclusive episode every single week, four or five of those a month, don't forget to sign up at patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. The link is in the show notes. Five dollars or more per month, that's just the price of a cup of coffee, gets you exclusive access to all those extra episodes of the podcast. Don't forget, live by goodness, truth and beauty, not by lies. I'll see you next time on The Dispatches. The Dispatches podcast is a production of Left Foot Media. If you enjoyed this show, then please help us to ensure that more of this great content keeps getting made by becoming a patron of our work at patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. Link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time on The Dispatches. Mm-hmm.